Chapter twenty five of The Man from Glengarry. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bruce Peary. The Man from Glengarry. A Tale of the Ottawa. By Ralph Connor. Chapter twenty five. Glengarry Forever. The Colonel was an experienced traveller and believed in making himself comfortable ranald looked on with some amusement and a little wonder while the colonel arranged his things about the stateroom may as well make things comfortable while we can said the colonel we have the better part of three days before us on this boat and if it gets rough it is better to have things neat now you go ahead he added and get your things out i think you are right colonel i am not much used to travel but i shall take your advice on this well i have travelled considerable these last twenty years replied the colonel i say would you mind leaving those out what those photos they're the two you had up by the glass in your room aren't they ranald flushed a little of course it ain't for every one to see and i would not ask you but those two ain't like any other two that i have seen and i have seen a good many in forty years ranald said nothing but set the photographs on a little bracket on the wall there that makes this room feel better said the colonel that there is the finest sweetest truest girl that walks this sphere he said pointing at kate's photograph and the other i guess you know all about her yes i know about her said ranald looking at the photograph it is to her i owe everything i have that is any good and colonel he added with an unusual burst of confidence when my life was broken off short that woman put me in the way of getting hold of it again well they both think a pile of you was the colonel's reply yes i think they do said ranald they are not the kind to forget a man when he is out of sight and it is worth travelling two thousand miles to see them again ain't it queer now how the world is run said the colonel there's two women now the very best one has been buried all her life in a little hole in the woods and the other is giving herself to a feller that ain't fit to carry her boots what said ranald sharply kate yes they say she is going to throw herself away on young sinclair he is all right i suppose but he ain't fit for her ranald suddenly stooped over his valise and began pulling out his things i didn't hear of that he said i did said the colonel you see he is always there and acting as if he owned her he stuck to her for a long time but i guess she got tired holding out harry is a very decent fellow said ranald rising up from his unpacking i say this boat's close let us go up on deck wait said the colonel i want to talk over our plans and we can talk better here no said ranald i want some fresh air let us go up and without further words he hurried up the gangway it was some time before colonel thorpe found him in the bow of the boat and immediately began to talk over their plans you spoke of going to toronto first thing he said to ranald yes said ranald but i think i ought to go to ottawa at once and then i shall see my people in glengarry for a few days then i will be ready for the meeting at bay city any time after the second week but you have not put toronto in there said the colonel 
you are not going to disappoint that little girl she would take it pretty hard mind you she wants to see you oh of course i shall run in for a day well said the colonel i want to give you plenty of time i will arrange that meeting for a month from to-day no no said ranald impatiently i must get back to the west two weeks will do me well we will make it three said the colonel he could not understand ranald's sudden eagerness to set out for the west again he had spoken with such enthusiastic delight of his visit to toronto and now he was only going to run in for a day or so and if ranald himself were asked he would have found it difficult to explain his sudden lack of interest not only in toronto but in everything that lay in the east he was conscious of a deep dull ache in his heart and he could not quite explain it after the colonel had gone down for the night ranald walked the deck alone and resolutely faced himself his first frank look within revealed to him the fact that his pain had come upon him with the colonel's information that kate had given herself to harry it was right that he should be disappointed harry though a decent enough fellow did not begin to be worthy of her and indeed no one that he knew was worthy of her but why should he feel so sorely about it for years harry had been her devoted slave he would give her the love of an honest man and would surround her with all the comforts and luxuries that wealth could bring she would be very happy he had no right to grieve about it and yet he did grieve the whole sky over the landscape of his life had suddenly become cold and gray during these years kate had grown to be much to him she had in many ways helped him in his work the thought of her and her approval had brought him inspiration and strength in many an hour of weakness and loneliness she had been so loyal and so true from the very first and it was a bitter thing to feel that another had come between them over and over again he accused himself of sheer madness why should she not love harry that need not make her any less his friend but in spite of his arguments he found himself weary of the east and eager to turn away from it he must hurry on at once to ottawa and with all speed get done his business there at chicago he left the colonel with a promise to meet him in three weeks at the headquarters of the british american coal and lumber company at bay city he wired to ottawa asking an appointment with the government and after three days hard travel found himself in the capital of the dominion the premier sir john a macdonald with the ready courtesy characteristic of him immediately arranged for a hearing of the delegation from british columbia ranald was surprised at the indifference with which he approached this meeting he seemed to have lost capacity for keen feeling of any kind sir john a macdonald and his cabinet received the delegation with great kindness and in every possible way strove to make them feel that the government was genuinely interested in the western province and were anxious to do all that could be done in their interest 
in the conference that ensued the delegate for victoria took a more prominent part being an older man and representing the larger and more important constituency but when sir john began to ask questions the victoria delegate was soon beyond his depth the premier showed such an exactness of knowledge and comprehensiveness of grasp that before long ranald was appealed to for information in regard to the resources of the country and especially the causes and extent of the present discontent the causes of discontent are very easy to see said ranald all british columbians feel hurt at the failure of the dominion government to keep its solemn obligations is there nothing else now mr macdonald there may be said ranald some lingering impatience with the government by different officials and there is a certain amount of annexation sentiment ah said sir john i think we have our finger upon it now do not overestimate that said ranald i believe that there are only a very few with annexation sentiments and all these are of american birth the great body of the people are simply indignant at and disappointed with the dominion government and would you say there is no other cause of discontent mr macdonald said sir john with a keen look at ranald there is another cause i believe said ranald and that is the party depression but that depression is due to the uncertainty in regard to the political future of the province when once we hear that the railroad is being built political interest will revive may i ask where you were born said sir john in glengarry said ranald with a touch of pride in his voice ah i am afraid your people are not great admirers of my government and perhaps you mr macdonald share in the opinion of your county i have no opinion in regard to dominion politics i am for british columbia well mr macdonald said sir john rising that is right and you ought to have your road do i understand you to say that the government will begin to build the road at once said ranald ah smiled sir john i see you want something definite i have come two thousand miles to get it the people that sent me will be content with nothing else it is a serious time with us and i believe with the whole of the dominion mr macdonald said sir john becoming suddenly grave believe me it is a more serious time than you know but you trust me in this matter will the road be begun this year said ranald all i can say to-day mr macdonald said sir john earnestly is this that if i can bring it about the building of the road will be started at once then sir john said ranald you may depend that british columbia will be grateful to you and the interview was over outside the room he found captain de lacy awaiting him by jove macdonald i have been waiting here three-quarters of an hour come along mamie has an afternoon right on and you are our lion ranald would have refused but de lacy would not accept any apology and carried him off mamie's rooms were crowded with all the great social and political people of the city with an air of triumph de lacy piloted ranald through the crowd and presented him to mamie 
Ranald was surprised to find himself shaking hands with the woman he had once loved, with unquickened pulse and nerves cool and steady. Here Mamie, who was looking more beautiful than ever, and who was dressed in a gown of exquisite richness, received Ranald with a warmth that was almost enthusiastic. "'How famous you have become, Mr. Macdonald,' she said, offering him her hand. "'We are all proud to say that we know you.' "'You flatter me,' said Ranald, bowing over her hand. "'No, indeed. Everyone is talking of the young man from the West.' and how handsome you are ranald she said in a low voice leaning toward him and flashing at him one of her old-time glances i am not used to that he said and i can only reply as we used to in school you too oh now you flatter me cried mamie gaily but let me introduce you to my dear friend lady mary rivers lady mary this is mr macdonald from british columbia you know oh yes said lady mary with a look of intelligence in her beautiful dark eyes i have heard a great deal about you let me see you opposed separation saved the dominion in short did i really said ranald and never knew it you see he is not only famous but modest said mamie but that is an old characteristic of his i knew mr macdonald a very long time ago very said ranald when we were quite young very young replied ranald with great emphasis and doubtless very happy said lady mary happy said ranald yes so happy that i can hardly bear to think of those days why so inquired lady mary because they are gone but all days go and have to be parted with oh yes lady mary that is true and so many things die with them as for instance our youthful beliefs and enthusiasms i used to believe in every one lady mary and now in no one god forbid i discriminate now lady mary replied mamie i want my lion to be led about and exhibited and i give him over to you for some time ranald stood near chatting to two or three people to whom lady mary had introduced him but listening eagerly all the while to mamie talking to the men who were crowded about her how brilliantly she talked finding it quite within her powers to keep several men busy at the same time and as ranald listened to her gay frivolous talk more and more he became conscious of an unpleasantness in her tone it was thin shallow and heartless can it be possible he said to himself that once she had the power to make my heart quicken its beat tell me about the west lady mary was saying when ranald came to himself if i begin about the west he replied i must have both time and space to deliver myself come then we shall find a corner said lady mary and for half an hour did ranald discourse to her of the west and so eloquently that lady mary quite forgot that he was a lion and that she had been entrusted with the duty of exhibiting him by and by mamie found them now lady mary you are very selfish for so many people are wanting to see our hero and here is the premier wanting to see you 
ah lady mary said sir john you have captured the man from glengarry i see i hope so indeed said lady mary but why from glengarry he is from the west is he not once from glengarry now from the west and i hope he will often come from the west and he will no doubt if those people know what is good for them and sir john skilfully drawing ranald aside led him to talk of the political situation in british columbia now and then putting a question that revealed a knowledge so full and accurate that ranald exclaimed suddenly why sir john you know more about the country than i do not at all not at all replied sir john and then lowering his voice to a confidential tone he added you are the first man from that country that knows what i want to know and once more he plied ranald with questions listening eagerly and intelligently to the answers so enthusiastically given we want to make this dominion a great empire said sir john as he said good-bye to ranald and we are going to do it but you and men like you in the west must do your part ranald was much impressed by the premier's grave earnestness i will try sir john he said and i shall go back feeling thankful that you are going to show us the way going so soon said maimie when he came to say good-bye why i have seen nothing of you and i have not had a moment to offer you my congratulations she said with a significant smile ranald bowed his thanks and kate dear girl went on maimie she never comes to see me now but i am glad she will be so happy ranald looked at her steadily for a moment or two and then said quietly i am sure i hope so and harry is a very lucky chap oh isn't he cried maimie and he is just daft about her must you go i am so sorry i wanted to talk about old times the dear old days the look in maimie's eyes said much more than her words yes said ranald with an easy frank smile they were dear days indeed i often think of them and now i must really go say good-bye to de lacy for me he came away from her with an inexplicable feeling of exultation he had gone with some slight trepidation in his heart to meet her and it was no small relief to him to discover that she had lost all power over him what sort of man could i have been i wonder he asked himself and it was only three years ago near the door lady mary stopped him going so early and without saying good-bye she said reproachfully i must leave town to-night he replied but i am glad to say good-bye to you i think you ought to stay i am sure his excellency wants to see you i am sure you are good to think so but i am also quite sure that he has never given a thought to my insignificant self indeed he has now can't you stay a few days i want to see more we all want to hear more about the west you will never know the west by hearing of it said ranald offering his hand good-bye she said i am coming good he said i shall look for you as ranald approached his hotel he saw a man that seemed oddly familiar lounging against the door and as he drew near he discovered to his astonishment and joy that it was yankee 
why yankee he exclaimed rushing at him how in the world did you come to be here and what brought you well i came for you i guess heard you were going to be here and were coming home afterwards so i thought it would be quicker for you to drive straight across than to go round by cornwall so i hitched up lisette and came right along lisette you don't mean to tell me how is the old girl yankee you have done a fine thing now we will start right away all right said yankee how long will it take us to get home about two days easy goin i guess of course if you want i guess we can do it in a day and a half she will do all you tell her well we will take two days said ranald i guess we had better take a pretty early start said yankee can't we get off to-night inquired ranald eagerly we could get out ten miles or so yes replied yankee there's a good place to stop about ten miles out i think we had better go along the river road and then take down through the russell hills to the nation crossing in half an hour they were off on their two days trip to the indian lands and two glorious days they were the open air with the suggestion of the coming fall the great forests with their varying hues of green and brown yellow and bright red and all bathed in the smoky purple light of the september sun these all combined to bring to ranald's heart the rest and comfort and peace that he so sorely needed and when he drove into his uncle's yard in the late afternoon of the second day he felt himself more content to live the life appointed him and if anything more were needed to strengthen him in this resolution and to fit him for the fight lying before him his brief visit to his home brought it to him it did him good to look into the face of the great macdonald vane once more and to hear his deep steady voice welcome him home it was the face and the voice of a man who had passed through many a sore battle and not without honor to himself and it was good too to receive the welcome greetings of his old friends and to feel their pride in him and their high expectation of him more than ever he resolved that he would be a man worthy of his race his visit to the manse brought him mingled feelings of delight and perplexity and pain the minister's welcome was kind but there was a tinge of self-complacent pride in it ranald was one of his lads and he evidently took credit to himself for the young man's success hughie regarded him with reserved approval he was a man now and teaching school and before committing himself to his old-time devotion he had to adjust his mind to the new conditions but before the evening was half done ranald had won him once more his tales of the west and of how it was making and marring men of the nation that was being built up and his picture of the future that he saw for the great dominion unconsciously revealed the strong manhood and the high ideals in the speaker and hughie found himself slipping into the old attitude of devotion to his friend but it struck ranald to the heart to see the marks of many a long day's work upon the face of the woman who had done more for him than all the rest of the world 
her flock of little children had laid upon her a load of care and toil which added to the burden she was already trying to carry was proving more than her delicate frame could bear there were lines upon her face that only weariness often repeated cuts deep but there were other lines there and these were lines of heart pain and as ranald watched her closely with his heart running over with love and pity and indignation for her he caught her frequent glances toward her first-born that spoke of anxiety and fear can it be the young rascal is bringing her anything but perfect satisfaction and joy in return for the sacrifice of her splendid life he said to himself but no word fell from her to show him the secret of her pain it was hughie's own lips that revealed him and as the lad talked of his present and his future his impatience of control his lack of sympathy to all higher ideals his determination to please himself to the forgetting of all else his seeming unconsciousness of the debt he owed to his mother all these became easily apparent with difficulty ranald restrained his indignation he let him talk for some time and then opened out upon him he read him no long lecture but his words came forth with such fiery heat that they burned their way clear through all the false and flimsy selfishness of the younger man till they reached the true heart of him his last words hughie never forgot do you know hughie he said and the fire in his eyes seemed to burn into hughie's do you know what sort of woman you have for a mother and do you know that if you should live to be a hundred years and devoted every day of your life to the doing of her pleasure you could not repay the debt you owe her be a man hughie thank god for her and for the opportunity of loving and caring for her the night of his first visit to the manse ranald had no opportunity for any further talk with the minister's wife but he came away with the resolve that before his week's visit was over he would see her alone on his return home however he found waiting him a telegram from colonel thorpe mailed from alexandria announcing an early date for the meeting of shareholders at bay city so that he found it necessary to leave immediately after the next day which was the sabbath it was no small disappointment to him that he was to have no opportunity of opening his heart to his friend but as he sat in his uncle's seat at the side of the pulpit from which he could catch sight of the minister's pew and watched the look of peace and quiet courage grow upon her face till all the lines of pain and care were quite smoothed out he felt his heart fill up with a sense of shame for all his weakness and his soul knit itself into the resolve that if he should have to walk his way bearing his cross alone he would seek the same high spirit of faith and patience and courage that he saw shining in her grey-brown eyes after the service he walked home with the minister's wife seeking opportunity for a few last words with her he had meant to tell her something of his heart's sorrow and disappointment for he guessed that knowing and loving kate as she did she would understand its depth and bitterness 
but when he told her of his early departure and of the fear that for many years he could not return his heart was smitten with a great pity for her the look of disappointment and almost of dismay he could not understand until with difficulty she told him how she had hoped that he was to spend some weeks at home and that hughie might be much with him i wish he could know you better ranald there is no one about here to whom he can look up and some of his companions are not of the best the look of beseeching pain in her eyes was almost more than ranald could bear i would give my life to help you he said in a voice hoarse and husky i know she said simply you have been a great joy to me ranald and it will always comfort me to think of you and of your work and i like to remember too how you helped harry he told me much about you and i am so glad especially as he is now to be married yes yes replied ranald hurriedly that will be a great thing for him then after a pause he added mrs murray the west is a hard country for young men who are not not very firmly anchored but if at any time you think i could help hughie and you feel like sending him to me i will gladly do for him all that one man can do for another and all that i can do will be a very poor return for what you have done for me it's little i have done ranald she said and that little has been repaid a thousandfold for there is no greater joy than that of seeing my boys grow into good and great men and that joy you have brought me then she said good-bye holding his hand long as if hating to let him go i will remember your promise ranald she said for it may be that some day i shall need you and when the chance came to ranald before many years had gone he proved himself not unworthy of her trust at the meeting of shareholders of the british american coal and lumber company held in bay city the feeling uppermost in the minds of those present was one of wrath and indignation at colonel thorpe for he still clung to the idea that it would be unwise to wind up the british columbia end of the business the colonel's speech in reply was a triumph of diplomacy he began by giving a detailed and graphic account of his trip through the province lighting up the narrative with incidents of adventure both tragic and comic to such good purpose that before he had finished his hearers had forgotten all their anger then he told of what he had seen of ranald's work emphasizing the largeness of the results he had obtained with his very imperfect equipment he spoke of the high place their manager held in the esteem of the community as witness his visit to ottawa as representative and lastly he touched upon his work for the men by means of the libraries and reading-room here he was interrupted by an impatient exclamation on the part of one of the shareholders the colonel paused and fastening his eye upon the impatient shareholder he said in tones cool and deliberate a gentleman says nonsense i confess that before my visit to the west i should have said the same but i want to say right here and now that i have come to the opinion that it pays to look after your men soul mind and body 
you'll cut more lumber get better contracts and increase your dividends there ain't no manner of doubt about that now concluded the colonel you may still want to close up that business but before you do so i want you to hear mr macdonald after some hesitation ranald was allowed to speak for a few minutes he began by expressing his amazement that there should be any thought on the part of the company of withdrawing from the province at the very time when other firms were seeking to find entrance he acknowledged that the result for the last years did not warrant any great confidence in the future of their business but a brighter day had dawned the railroad was coming and he had in his pocket three contracts that it would require the company's whole force for six months to fulfill and these contracts would be concluded the day the first rail was laid and when will that be interrupted a shareholder scornfully i have every assurance said ranald quietly from the premier himself that the building of the railroad will be started this fall did sir john e macdonald give you a definite promise asked the man in surprise not exactly a promise said ranald a chorus of scornful ohs greeted this admission but the premier assured me that all his influence would be thrown in favor of immediate construction for my part replied the shareholder i place not the slightest confidence in any such promise as that and i said ranald calmly have every confidence that work on the line will be started this fall and then he went on to speak of the future that he saw stretching out before the province and the whole dominion the feeling of opposition in the air roused him like a call to battle and the thought that he was pleading for the west that he had grown to love stimulated him like a draught of strong wine in the midst of his speech the secretary who till that moment had not been present came into the room with the evening paper in his hand he gave it to the president pointing out a paragraph at once the president interrupting ranald in his speech rose and said gentlemen there is an item of news here that i think you will all agree bears somewhat directly upon this business he then read sir john a macdonald's famous telegram to the british columbia government promising that the canadian pacific railway should be begun that fall after the cheers had died away ranald rose again and said mr president and gentlemen there is no need that i should say anything more i simply wish to add that i return to british columbia next week but whether as manager for this company or not that is a matter of perfect indifference to me and saying this he left the room followed by colonel thorpe you're all right partner said the colonel shaking him vigorously by the hand and if they don't feel like playing up to your lead then by the great and everlasting sammy we will make a new deal and play it alone all right colonel said ranald i almost think i'd rather play it without them and you can tell them so where are you going now said the colonel i've got to go to toronto for a day said ranald the boys are foolish enough to get up a kind of dinner at the albert and besides he added resolutely i want to see kate right you are said the colonel anything else would be meaner than snakes but when ranald reached toronto he found disappointment awaiting him the alberts were ready to give him an enthusiastic reception 
but to his dismay both harry and kate were absent harry was in quebec and kate was with her mother visiting friends at the northern lake so ranald was forced to content himself with a letter of farewell and congratulation upon her approaching marriage in spite of his disappointment ranald could not help acknowledging a feeling of relief it would have been no small ordeal to him to have met kate to have told her how much she had helped him during his three years absence without letting her suspect how much she had become to him and how sore was his disappointment that she could never be more than friend to him and indeed not even that but his letter was full of warm frank brotherly congratulation and good will the dinner at the albert was in every way worthy of the club and of the occasion but ranald was glad to get it over he was eager to get away from the city associated in his mind with so much that was painful at length the last speech was made and the last song was sung and the men in a body marched to the station carrying their hero with them as they stood waiting for the train to pull out a coachman in livery approached little merrill a lady wishes to see mr macdonald sir he said touching his hat well she's got to be quick about it said merrill here glengarry he called to ranald a lady is waiting outside to see you but i say old chap you will have to make it short i guess it will be sweet enough where is she said ranald to the coachman in here sir conducting him to the ladies waiting-room and taking his place at the door outside ranald hurried into the room and there stood kate dear kate he cried running toward her with both hands outstretched this is more than kind of you and just like your good heart i only heard last night ranald she said from mamie that you were to be here to-day and i could not let you go she stood up looking so brave and proud but in spite of her her lips quivered i have waited to see you so long she said and now you are going away again don't speak like that kate said ranald don't say those things i want to tell you how you have helped me these three lonely years but i can't and you will never know and now i am going back i hardly dared to see you but i wish you everything that is good i haven't seen harry either but you will wish him joy for me he is a very lucky fellow by this time ranald had regained control of himself and was speaking in a tone of frank and brotherly affection kate looked at him with a slightly puzzled air i've seen mamie ranald went on and she told me all about it and i am yes i am very glad still kate looked a little puzzled but the minutes were precious and she had much to say oh ranald she cried i have so much to say to you you have become a great man and you are good i am so proud when i hear of you and lowering her voice almost to a whisper i pray for you every day as ranald stood gazing at the beautiful face and noticed the quivering lips and the dark eyes shining with tears she was too brave to let fall he felt that he was fast losing his grip of himself oh kate he cried in a low tense voice i must go you have been more to me than you will ever know may you both be happy both echoed kate faintly 
yes cried ranald hurriedly harry will i'm sure for if any one can make him happy you can i catching her breath and beginning to laugh a little hysterically what's the matter kate you are looking white oh cried kate her voice broken between a sob and a laugh won't harry and lily enjoy this ranald gazed at her in fear as if she had suddenly gone mad lily he gasped yes lily cried kate didn't you know lily langford harry's dearest and most devoted no said ranald and it is not you not me cried kate not in the very least oh kate tell me is this all true are you still free and is there any use what do you mean cried kate dancing about in sheer joy you silly boy by this time ranald had got hold of her hands look here old chap burst in merrill your train's going oh beg pardon take the next ranald merrill said ranald solemnly tell the fellows i'm not going on this train hurrah cried little merrill i guess i'll tell em you are gone may i tell the fellows kate what said kate blushing furiously yes merrill cried ranald in a voice strident with ecstasy you may tell them tell the whole town merrill rushed to the door i say fellows he cried look here the men came trooping at his call but only to see ranald and kate disappearing through the other door he's not going cried merrill he's gone by jove they've both gone i say little man said big starry hamilton call yourself together if you can who've both gone in short who is the lady why kate raymond you blessed idiot cried merrill rushing for the door followed by the whole crowd three cheers for macdonald cried starry hamilton as the carriage drove away and after the three cheers and the tiger little merrill's voice led them in the old battle cry heard long ago on the river but afterward on many a hard-fought football field glengarry forever end of chapter twenty five end of the man from glengarry by ralph connor